from the desktop, can we possibly get the seven sacred spaces picture up uh, on the screen, if that is possible? Thank you very much. Because last week we were looking at what's next. What is next? What is going on? Does anyone know? Good. Because <laughs> neither do I. But I have an expectancy that God is going to do something. Because he's, that's what he does. God is always at work. And one of the things that we are looking at as a church about what is next is tied up with the seven sacred spaces. Now, if you haven't seen this before, it's a very, very simple tool. It gives us seven areas of life that we can focus on and ask God to invade. Um, now, there is some funny uh, words up there, and I will um, explain them as I go, but I've also got a bit of a Bible story, which I feel kind of hits on a lot of these aspects of the seven sacred spaces. Now, next week, next Saturday, um, we as an elders and leaders are going to have a day away in Blackley. Yes. Remember where we did our Holy Spirit Day? Anyone after Alpha? In Huddersfield, that nice little place up on the hill? Yeah, a few of you can remember. Well, we're going there with the elders and the leaders. Um, we are all leaders, of course, but we wanted to identify those who've got specific roles within this church. And I'm telling you this because this is part of our what next. We wanted to gather the people together those that God has called to do specific things and pray into what is next. And this is our kind of a framework which we're going to be looking at, the seven sacred spaces. Now, there is more than seven, but seven's a good number because it's a holy number. And there's different aspects of this that we want to grow into. So... Um, I don't know if you can't see the bottom one. It's chapel. Chapel is this. This is church. It's chapel. It's coming together. But if you look at any church establishment, whether it be Baptist or Free Church or Church of England, a lot of their energy will go into chapel. So we might score maybe a three or a four on the effort and the time that we put into coming to church on a Sunday. I'm glad to see that a lot of you made a lot more effort than I do. I just throw on whatever's in the cupboard. I don't put makeup on. Because you can't make me any more prettier than I am. <laughs> but what we want to say is we don't want to pull back from somewhere. If God has placed us at number four in church, we want to stay, if not further, or move further in our time in church. But there's other areas in life, like cell. That's your personal time with God. So you might think, as a church, we're good. We're at number four. We're doing great. Cell is about you. And you might be like, hmm. Slipping down the scale here, I might be at a one or a two. How much time am I spending with God? Just me and God. 
mean God in the Bible, mean God in worship, mean God in a cup of coffee, whatever it may be, mean God walking uh, as I go to the shop. So what we want to try and do is grow our personal time to match maybe some other areas where we're doing better in. So that if we do this in all the areas, we actually form a circle. If you looked at, if you looked at our graph at the moment, we'll probably have a very pointy bit towards church, and then it's going to dip back in when it comes to cell or garden, which is work. And our circle, if we went round, would look a bit like a wavy line. We want to grow that. And this is what's next for us. How do we grow? Personally, but together as well. How do we seek the kingdom of God and trust that God is going to build his church? There is no silver bullet answer, but there is plenty of examples. And one of the examples I want to lean into this morning is a very, very famous story in the book of Acts. And I'm just going to read... Uh, a bit of it. It's from uh, Acts chapter 3. Peter heals the lame beggar at the gate beautiful. So I'm just going to read some of this and I'm going to explain why I've chosen this story this morning. So one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Yes, you are, Liz. Just to embarrass you as well. Where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, taking him By the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. So God, will you just help us to tap into this what next? Give us the spirit of insight. Give us words. Give us courage to trust in you and follow you. Will you release your kingdom so that we can see your church thrive here in Buttershaw and beyond? For your glory we pray. Amen. We are in the business of I won't say doing church, but being church. And I think this is a fundamental point. We're not here just to do something. 
I'm not, I'm not here to entertain you, and you're not here just to make me feel good. Although, I am very glad that you're here, because if it was just me, it would be a bit boring. Although I can entertain myself, as you probably can see. But there is some practical aspects that we can tap into. There is facets of the kingdom of God. There is things and tools that we have all been given. But I don't feel that if we were looking, if we were a bunch of knives, we might have one sharp knife and the rest are blunt, not fit for purpose. And I'm not saying this to try and apportion blame on anyone, because it's no one's fault. But we do have responsibility to kind of sharpen some areas up, so that when we need certain tools, we can cut through. We can cut through. And I want you to remember that word, cutting through. Because to cut through something takes effort. If I'm going to chop a piece of wood, I'm not going to get a blunt saw. I'm going to get something that's sharp, that's fit for purpose. But I've got to put the effort in. I've got to create movement. I did not make the saw. I did not make the wood. But bringing the two together, I have to put something in to cut through. We're cutting through. And this is what this is part of our what next. Cutting through. The reason why I have chosen this story, famous story, about uh, the blind beggar and Peter and John, is because when I read this, I see a lot of this going on. So let me explain. One day, John and Peter were going to prayer. They were going to their church. It was a regular thing. They didn't just do it on a Sunday. It was a regular event. The Israelites would have gone to their church daily at set times for prayer. So they were purposeful when they were out and about. They weren't just out and about for the sake of it, but they were going to church. They were going to their chapel to gather with other believers, to rub shoulders and to give thanks to God. Whilst they would have been at church, it was customary for someone to bring the Bible and open up the Word. So they would have read the Word of God. That's where scriptorium comes in. Passing on knowledge. They would have reminded each other of the promises of God. They would have been looking with an expectant heart for God to fulfill his promises. Because God does not lie. Frustratingly, he doesn't rush either. <laughs> but he doesn't lie. If God has made a promise, his promise will come true. 
but it's in his timing because his timing is perfect so we've got Peter and John off to church they were going to pray so would they have done that together I imagine they would have had some corporate prayers which they would have engaged in but also as any other human they would have had situations of things on their mind and they would have spent time telling God can you sort this out can you bless this person this person needs healing this person needs you so that's where cell comes in as well it would have been a personal time as well as a corporate time there would have been time looking at the Bible they would have been led in different prayers so already three things are happening which we can identify through the seven sacred spaces it was intentional and they were willing to put their arm to work they were ready to cut through we can all come up with excuses can't we why we don't go to church to be honest sometimes if I wasn't paid to be here I wouldn't come why because I'm human and I'm lazy and I can get distracted by my own stuff I've got to do the washing I've got to, I've got to sort this out oh I just want to rest I've had enough I've had enough but as soon as I know I start to do that and maybe some of us have been through that our sharpness gets a bit blunt our effort of ready to cut through put our body to work stops being active and we start to get a bit lazy and it's an easy habit to step into it's easy to say not today God I'm tired we come with our excuses that's why rhythm is good that's why we need to be purposeful and say God I don't feel it like it today but I'm going to drag myself up I'm going to expect that you're going to do something and I'm going to lay my own thoughts behind and I'm going to go after the kingdom of God so we've got scriptorium passing on knowledge we've got chapel, church one of my favourite aspects of these seven sacred spaces is the cloister surprised and planned encounters and this is what's happening here with Peter and John that they didn't plan to meet a blind beggar that it wasn't part of their plan they were going to church they were going to read the word of God they're going to pray they came with that expectancy but God had something else for them as they were walking towards the church there's this bloke who is placed strategically at this gate why was he put there well I don't know about you but when I was homeless I would go to where the money was where I thought the most kindest people would be 
That's why we see people begging for money outside the supermarket. Because they know you've got it. Because you've just been in and spent it. And you might have a quid in your trolley, which could be theirs. There's no coincidence that this guy was placed for people going into church because this guy probably knew that God's people have been given the responsibility to be generous to those that are in need. Was this guy taking advantage of that? Yes. Does that make it wrong? No. Why? Because God had placed him there. And he also placed them two people, Peter and John. They were carrying a truth, a richness in them that this guy needed to receive. So through a chance encounter, Peter and John were going to church and this guy held out his hand. Can I have some money? And isn't it beautiful how Peter responds? He doesn't look at what he doesn't have. And I think sometimes I'm guilty of that. Someone asks me something, I'm like, uh, uh, hang on, hang on a minute. And I'll try and run maybe to get them some food or some money or... Or even just trying to think on my own knowledge and think, what answer can I give this person? You know, or the other option is, didn't see me. (laughs) Or pretend to have that conversation. When you can see the person is asking for something and I'll focus on something else. Peter and John didn't do this. They didn't pat themselves down and said, oh, mate, I'm going to, sorry, I ain't got anything. They tapped into the richness of what God has given us. You are all rich. If you know God, you are rich. You're lacking nothing. And I want to challenge us and myself to getting out of this habit of, hang on a minute, I ain't got it. I ain't got it. We're missing out on them opportunities. Someone says, I'm having a bad day. Oh, I'm sorry about that. And then we walk away. Someone says, I'm having a bad day. What's up? And can I pray for it? I never forget Louise and Matt, they came for an interview. Uh, for Eden and one of the things that really impacted on us I think it was Sarah who was suffering from a bad back and she said oh I'm sorry I'm going to have to get up and I'm actually going to have to kneel down because my back is really sore what did Louise say oh I'm sorry about that no she said can I pray for you you didn't plan that You didn't think, oh, hang on a minute, I'm just going to share from my experiences. You could have done that. You could have said, oh, I've got some painkillers that are really awesome. (laughs) Let me encourage you with these. 
contraband. You didn't do that. She said, oh, can I pray? She went, huh? yeah. And in that moment, healing didn't necessarily happen all at once, but something beautiful happened. That we saw the kingdom of God and how Louise was being obedient and used the richness of God. She didn't pat herself down. It was already there. It was there just waiting to be tapped into. And this is exactly what happened in this story. Peter and John. Going to church, ready to learn, ready to pray, were stopped in their tracks and they gave out of the richness of God. And because of that, they went to church with a testimony. So can you imagine if this was you? You're coming to church. There's a guy outside or a woman who's in need. And so can you help me? And you say, how can I help? And they might say, I need some gas and electric. What's your first reaction going to be? I ain't got money. What am I going to do? Or is it, I haven't got money, but actually what I've got is greater. I've got faith. I've got God. Can I pray for you, for your situation? And just like in this story, Peter and John went as friends they were joined by someone else who met the power of God, who felt the kingdom of God. He wanted money, but he actually got the ability to walk and jumped into church with them, jumped into praise, jumped into listening to God. Because all of a sudden, he probably knew the Bible. He would have known the Old Testament, he would have heard the stories, he would have maybe done the Passover meal, how he would have known how God had saved his people, but did he know God? Did he believe in God? I don't really know. But it's quite obvious afterwards that God changed his circumstances because of a chance meeting. And that's what we are looking to do. You might come to church this morning and look at that and say, that's me done. Actually, I do spend quite a lot of time with God. That's me done. I spend a lot of time reading the Bible. That's me done. It's not. It's not. And I think we're kidding ourselves if that is all we feel we can do. Sometimes we can look at our own life issues and say, and you might come up to me at the end and say, Gavin, but I can't do this. I can't. I don't get a chance to go out. I'm working all the time. I don't get a chance to do what you can do. No. No. Because again, what we're doing is this. We're patting ourselves down. We're looking 
to our own resources rather than the resources of God. I know circumstances have changed, but we've got to be willing to change with them. We've got to be willing to allow the kingdom of God and that richness of God to flow into us. So just like Louise, at that moment, it can flow out. It can flow out. I wonder what the reaction would have been when Peter and John walked in with this bloke. Because this bloke would have been recognised by a lot of people. Because they would have walked past him to go to church, to be part of what was going on. Whether it was reading scripture or praying. A lot of people would have seen him and what their reaction would have been like. Oh, hang on a minute. What happened? But if you actually read on in the story, what Peter and John do is something that we all should do, is bring the story of Jesus to the forefront. Every opportunity the disciples had, they always shared about Jesus. Even if the, the miracle had been taken place, they would again take that opportunity to tell the story of Jesus. How, when was the last time you told the story of Jesus to anyone? I can't remember. I think it was last time I told the story of Jesus to someone who I met through a chance encounter. I think it was, it was summer last year. I actually told the story of Jesus to someone. It's not good enough, is it? Particularly when I'm paid to do it. <laughs> Awkward. That's my job. Well, it's not a job. In fact, I'm paid not to work so that when I meet people, I get to tell them about Jesus. Simple as that. And I was really challenged, not only by seeing a lot of these things happen in this story, but how they didn't stop there. They actually, again, just spoke about Jesus. They reminded everybody who Jesus was, what he had done, what he is still doing, how he changed his lives, how he changed history, how Jesus fulfilled every single promise in the Bible. All them words, over 365 words written about Jesus, over 700 years or so, or even further back than that, if you go to Genesis, a lot of them came in the book of Isaiah. How Jesus had fulfilled every single promise that God had made. And I think if we're looking at what's next, this is a great tool. This is going to give us areas to work into. But the biggest area that we need to work on is telling the story of Jesus.
And I know I'm pushing hard here, but I'm trying to push myself hard too. I'm not saying you're not doing it and I am. I'm saying I'm not doing it and probably a lot of you are doing it better than I am. But I sometimes I, I, I get to a Monday and I'm thinking, church was great, God. People's lives are being touched, being changed. But Monday morning happened and nothing. I'm just waiting for next Sunday. Or I'm waiting for someone else to do it for me or with me. And I'm desperate. I feel desperate for God to do something. And I know where I've failed because I get to the Monday evening, I'm like, I'm patting myself down looking for the answer. And the answer's always there in front of me. It's Jesus. I know Jesus' story. You don't have to tell it in full, but I know Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises. I know Jesus changed my life. I know Jesus has changed other people's lives. I know Jesus has knocked out cancer out of people. I know Jesus has grown legs in front of my eyes. I've seen legs grow in the name of Jesus. I've seen the most brokenest people being pieced back together because of Jesus. I've seen people who have had no money and prayed and gone to their bank and had the exact amount of money appear in their bank account. I've seen it. The story of Jesus. So why? Why do I and us and others keep on trying to pat ourselves down looking for the answer when the answer's already there? It's there. It's here. It's there. It's everywhere. Wouldn't it be great that you were going somewhere, whether it's church or work or hospital or Tesco's? We all got to go shopping. Have you seen the price of food? Don't get me started. Spend 100 quid every time I go. I think I've only got six meals here. Where's the 100 quid God? Anyway, wouldn't it be great that when we go about our lives that we're gathering people because God has called them and he's just saying, you've got the story, use it. Stop trying to pat yourself down to find the answer. The answer's already there. Wouldn't it be great if when we do come together on a Sunday that we have stories to tell, that we're bringing people in who have felt the power of God in their lives. Wouldn't that be great? Isn't it what the world needs? Now more than ever. I've been thinking a lot about Olga and... um, Michaela, because the situation that is pressing on your homeland, Moldova. I don't know what you're you feeling. I don't know. You've got friends, family, you've got memories 
in a place that he's looking maybe to be crushed. Maybe you guys are the same. You're not far from Ukraine, Bulgaria. Which, eh, but still, you know, the world is being trampled on by dictators. We've got a food crisis which is knocking on everyone's door, as I've just explained. We've got a fuel crisis where we've got Russia turning off the oil. And it may not impact us here today, but tomorrow it might. It's already starting. These are issues that I haven't got the resources for. I cannot, I can pat myself down as much as I want and look for the answer, which maybe people want, but I haven't got it. Except I have faith in Jesus Christ. It may not change all these big world issues, but it might change something for that person you're in front of. It might change something for you. Actually, Giving something away often opens the door for you to receive something. Joan's a great blesser. Every time. Without fail. Whether I've seen her for two minutes, two hours, she always blesses me when she leaves. Have I said something? blesses me when I leave or when she moves on I know what you're saying there I realise I didn't mean it like that Joan but she always she always sends me off with a blessing is that's better that is better thank you I thought hang on a minute did I say something but you know and you must, I can't say this 100% but often when Joan opens up a blessing and gives that away, it actually, and tell me if I'm wrong here, Joan, it actually blesses you. When you open up the door of giving, you're actually opening up the door of receiving as well. And this is what I love about this story again. Peter and John opened up the door, ready to give what they had, which was the richest thing they had, which was Jesus. They would have got something back. They got a friend. They got a testimony. Another story of Jesus. We need that. We need that. We need next Sunday to shut me up and all have a story to tell. So I cannot get a word in edgeways. That would be brilliant. Wouldn't it, Dave? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> wouldn't it? Shut Gavin up. That's your challenge. Come back and share some stories of healing. Maybe nothing happens. Let's share it anyway, because it's still a blessing. Prayed for this bloke and he told me to do one. 
praise God. I prayed for a work colleague and she broke down in tears. Praise God. I went to the supermarket and the checkout person, I blessed them and thanked them and they were stunned in silence. Praise God. What's next? We need to cut through. Or maybe cut off. What's next? Jesus is alive. Correct. And he wants to move in your lives as well as the lives that you meet. What's next? A whole lot of craziness. But let's be ready for that. Let's pray. God, I just thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you that the answer is Jesus. That we are looking towards him, the vine. And just realizing that our nourishment, our place, comes from being with him. Being like him and doing what he did. God, forgive us where we pat ourselves down and try to look to ourselves for the answers rather than looking into what you have placed within us, which is the spirit of truth, life, and freedom. Help us to grow into the areas of life that we have missed or overlooked. Give us boldness to tell and share the story of Jesus with those around us. Bless us as we look to bless others. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So next week, I'm going to plan a three-hour service. And you're going to get it unless you shut me up. Okay? I'm not going to do that. (laughs) But please do come and shut me up. I'm deadly serious. I'd rather be sat where you are and not have a chance to say a word because you've all got something to uh, share because Jesus has done it. We're going after it. That's what we're going to do. Okay? Amen? Amen. Please pray for us uh, next Saturday as we gather. We've got Ash Hardingham coming leading us in the morning to sharpen us up. But pray for us. You may not be physically there, but spiritually you're there. Help us understand what God is calling us to do and how to do it. In his mighty name. Amen!